0: Welcome back to For the Record, Black Police Officer Perspectives. This is the host, G. Michael, and uh, today I'm going to have another great conversation with uh, fraternity brothers in here from Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Brother Randall, we're going to have a good conversation about, obviously, you know, this podcast is about uh, relating to police and, and Black officer perspectives, but time has flown by, man. I don't, I, I, it's just, I don't even want to say how long ago so it was we was on on campus, but exactly. I know that you know we may have conversations once in a while about what's going on. People ask me, you know, how's this job? Am I still doing it? Over the years, I have brothers that are just sometimes just concerned for my safety or my mental well being. But once in a while, people just want to get something off. You know, something's in the national news, and I'm the one of the police officers. People know. But, you know, from our chapter, we have, you know, lawyers and, and other police yes, officers please. and military people. We have a lot of government officials as far as educators. Pretty much, you know, just in our chapter and just like in the entire organization, al Alpha, Alpha puts out great men and go into all kind of
1: careers. But just how are you doing, though? I'm good. I'm good. Come a long way. We start yeah. out in security.
0: <laughs> yeah, working at one of the amusement parks <laughs> right. uh, close, to our, <laughs> close to our college we went to. Yeah, man, we work security, and you got to, <laughs>
1: yeah. You, you, I lift the part, so they picked me for the undercover. Yeah, yeah you had some little undercover
0: stuff, working around, playing clothes, lost profession. You know, it was, it was fun. We got to feel what pepper spray felt like. Yeah, that, that was one of the worst days, but it was good training. I mean, that was, was. good experience. Mm-hmm. Real-world um, internships are always some of the best college experiences. So no matter what uh, career you're in out there, if you work with interns, thank you very much. If you're thinking about giving an intern a chance, please do it because I look back on some of my internships and that was some of the best college experiences I had. On our campus, we had people from all over. Uh, You know, I was from Chicago, you were from St. Louis, Mm -hmm. but we really never really got too deep into our childhood. And, uh, you know, I kind of know where you're from, but just tell me a little bit about, you know, some of your background especially coming from st louis you know i see you sitting there with that st louis blues (laughs) hat on man i mean y'all i will say something about y'all y'all would rock y'all stuff we have to man we have to well from
1: from st louis you know i guess you always have on your Chicago. yeah i got my bear stuff on right now
0: you know of course i'm a represent but so coming up in st louis man um tell me a little bit about that
1: okay so um you know i like you sound from st louis uh born and raised, played sports uh, from a from a rough neighborhood in uh, St. Louis called Pine Line, if anybody know about it. Went to Normandy High School, one of the rougher high schools at that time in St. Louis. So, uh, I had a I grew up with a unique perspective with uh, the police officers in our neighborhood. So, um I definitely have a perspective on that, but it's kind of somewhat unique because I had a I had those experiences with with the officers in our neighborhood growing up in a rough neighborhood but then I also when i went to college somehow those experiences led me to want to um, go down the criminal justice path so i ended up getting my degree in criminal justice however the whole time i knew i never wanted to be a police officer i was just so intrigued with the uh with the way with the way the law worked and me with my background and my experience with law enforcement um it was just, it was the path I chose in college. And so far, you know, it worked right. out with,
0: with. Well, before me. we get out of St. Louis, so let me ask you, are, do you have sisters and brothers?
1: or I do. Yeah, What's well, your family look I have, a, I'm, I'm the middle child. I have an older brother that's probably about five years older than me, and a younger sister that's about eight years younger than me. So I was the middle child. All right. Yeah. Uh, growing up, you played sports. What's some of the sports you were into? Uh, baseball and mainly football. Football is what I went to college to play for.
0: Yeah, and, and I could I remember on campus you were pretty athletic, one of the athletic brothers, and you still try to maintain your fitness right try now to, yes yeah you, you try to, that's because i have
1: four boys and i got to make sure they don't uh beat me up <laughs> for real that's a real for thing right. so i gotta hey, stay in shape hey even when they they, <laughs> they think they can you 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 still the father ah, you yeah, know how to show sure. you know some secrets and put yeah, them on their exactly. butt exactly they don't yeah. have enough experience like i had i tell them that all the time my 14 year old tell them that he don't, he don't have enough experience i had a lot of fights only had like one
0: <laughs> yeah and that's the thing you know you do better a <laughs> little bit better in life and you have in better areas and yes. better schools yes. and you know but they and, and things are just different. Kids don't play outside the same way they used to. Yes. I learned so much from just, you know, being outside on the South side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, I remember the first time I saw somebody try to steal a car. I mean, I was just outside riding my bike. Right. I didn't really realize what I was watching until later <laughs> right. on, I was like, man, he was just right. trying to steal that car. He asked me for a screwdriver. I was like, no, I don't have a screwdriver, man. Yep. Uh, you know stuff like that just uh the life experiences and things you know riding the public buses and the trains mm-hmm. and all that you just see all kind of stuff mm-hmm. so you were the middle so you had some older siblings when it came to some of the the danger or the the safety hazards in your community you know how did you kind of uh, get around that did you kind of feel safe in your community or
1: what well i mean like most kids that grow up in the quote unquote hood or hood type areas um you don't really know you in the hood for real. You just kind of living life. So I didn't really think it, I didn't think anything of the danger. It was a normal everyday thing for right. me. You know, I just, I just know how to how, know how to navigate. I just know how to navigate it. So it wasn't anything hard for me or anything that stood out until I got older and I got in college and I would hear white people say in class that, that was from rural Missouri and never had any experience. They would question <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, uh, speak negatively on the type of experiences that I had that I realized that I was in a in a bad experience for real. <laughs> and you know it's a rich experience it's a different
0: one right. you know good or bad I mean you know you had you got a lot of life experience at a young age that in some uh, careers especially in law enforcement you go through several months just trying to learn what you got naturally growing up in that environment. Right. Uh, you know I'm glad I, I grew up where I grew up and a lot of times i will say i did learn i didn't really realize how dangerous it was really till i became a parent Right. and i looked outside of chicago right? yeah, yeah. southside. Yeah. yeah uh the high park area
1: oh, was yeah. it as dangerous back then well you i mean there, you, you know like i like i'm saying speak to
0: now. I, I i'm a, I always did take up for chicago but i will say in the last few years it's hard for me to think of ways i used to i still think chicago is the greatest city in the world But I will admit, in the last couple of years, it started to even scare me. You know, it took on a whole different look to it now because it used to be there were places that were kind of untouched. You knew if you wanted to go on a date, if you had some friends and family visiting, you could still go and it wouldn't be something really popping off unless you was looking for it. It's just certain neighborhoods you weren't supposed to go in. And growing up there, you kind of knew how to navigate the city. You knew which gangs had what areas and how not to look a certain way but now it's you know is you you really it's it's, something could happen anywhere and you know st louis the same way i mean just going home with you guys uh when we would have breaks sometime and y'all would kind of tell me about certain neighborhoods and you know different frat brothers from different neighborhoods and they kind of knew certain things to do and certain restaurants to go in and certain stores not to stand in front of stuff like that you know that stuff and you grow up you're right you really don't think about it until like i said me it was when I was a parent, I was just talking to one of my sons today. And I was like, man, you know, I was coming home by myself and, yeah. and opening the door by That's myself exactly. at a real, real young age. Uh, yes.
1: Kindergarten for me. Right. <laughs> Literally, yeah, yeah.
0: So did I. I had a key around my neck, man. <laughs> I had man. a key around my, my neck. It like, whooping every time I lost it. <laughs> yeah. Well, my mother, it, it was, mine was tied around my neck with a shoestring. I kept <laughs> yeah. it inside my shirt. It's like, I'll it never, pull the, sh- it never yeah. pull the key out. That's key but key keys. I didn't really think of the danger of it because it was a natural thing. Okay, so police. When is the first time you remember just seeing the police or seeing the police in action?
1: So, um, you know, our age, we grew up, we we came up, I was in middle, I was going into middle school right when the crack epidemic started reaching, you know, the Midwest. Mm -hmm. So, um, unfortunately, I was one of those kids, one of those first kids at 11 and 12 who started, you know, older, the older guys were getting us to sell crack for them. Mm -hmm. So, um, I had a lot of experience, literally, like, honestly, a lot of experience with the police. And there was a police in our neighborhood because I didn't go. No, nothing but five, four to five streets out of you know outside of my house. But uh, I started selling, you know, unfortunately I started selling crack around 11, 12 years old, and just got taught and had you know dealings with the police all the time, meaning running from the police, uh, police harassed. I'm not even gonna say not that I'm older, they were not harassing us, they were doing their job. They were they knew what we were doing, so so they were trying to protect the neighborhood. Right. Um, But I had a lot of experience from running from the police, police uh, pulling out guns on me, making me get on the ground, letting off rounds over us while we're down on the ground just to put shock in us to make everybody freeze and all that type of stuff wow. so that was around 11 or 12 years ago. Yeah.
0: you know man um now you said a whole lot in that and i could I say did. i'm sorry one no no that's good and i that's and, and it's kind of me to kind of like you know dissect that a little bit so we can get some knowledge because you know you carry so much experience and knowledge that really people are listening because they want to know some of the stuff you grew up already knowing you know, it's, it's, you got rappers lying about that life right now. I wish they lived that. I don't right. know why. Right. That's not, you know, right. as cute as it seems. But, you know, some of that stuff was taught. I remember uh, in Chicago, I really didn't realize the good or bad police. They just all looked like, you know, because I grew up in a family that, you might get hurt if you don't act right. I, right. I went to schools where you might get hurt if you don't act right. So if a police officer came and they put us on the ground or they slammed us on the ground for fighting or you know they drove up on a fight or something, I didn't look at that as an abnormal thing, right. pretty much. Right. Um, obviously there are some folks that didn't do some, you know, you know, do the job well, but I really didn't, I couldn't really tell the difference, um, you know, So the police interaction obviously was different with you because you were so young. When you started moving up in years, you started being a teenager, you know, when you started driving, you know, do you remember the first time you got pulled over? How was that?
1: You know, surprisingly, um, when I was young, because like in my neighborhood, all the police almost literally 98 percent of the police in that neighborhood were uh, black so I, I only dealt with black police officers so i didn't really deal with interracial you know uh you know uh, i didn't really have a race issue when it came to police right except for when i was in the eight when i was in the i was in uh when i was 18 i was just about to go to college my uh, father asked me to go get some uh dog food at like one o'clock in the morning and i got pulled over on, in one of the neighborhoods who had so-called racist police officers and they actually pulled me over and they um and when I looked at the time, I thought they were being racist. Now that I'm older and I know about police and I know what kind of know what goes through their mind when they pulling people over, I understand. When they pulled me over, I was leaning over my 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 stern wheel and I had a towel over my stern wheel. And the police officer pulled out his gun and made me get out of the car and basically gave me six tickets and all that type of stuff right. and I didn't understand I thought he was being racist but now that I know I had a towel over my over my stern column that's a common thing that people do when they steal cars they break down the stern column And then they try to hide it for when the police see it Mm -hmm. and my stern column actually was broke down that's why i had the tile around it but it it was because somebody tried to steal my car so i was trying to cover it up but i had the key and everything so in his mind he pulled out that gun because he thought he was pulling over somebody with um you know that just stolen a car right so he gave me six tickets and uh luckily the uh the the, uh i claimed that he was being racist and all that type of stuff but he wasn't at the time that i look back on it and he gave me six tickets but the judge ended up throwing it out because it was in the summer between me going away to college so he said he didn't want to. He didn't want to give me any extra. Luckily, he didn't want to give me any extra uh, burden. So the judge actually helped me out on that because I Man, wasn't wrong. I didn't have my plates right. I didn't have a lot of stuff right on the car. <laughs> so all
0: the tickets. So is did justifying. you know? Did you know that um, all those things were wrong, and you were just hoping you didn't get stopped, or what? <laughs> i mean you were like you gambling question. i was just no, gambling. Because you, i mean that's how I, yeah. you dropped a lot no, of nuggets right. and a lot you're of right. times people grow up right. and they may not even know what's right you know it's people out there who don't really know the real way to get their car right. registered right. they don't even know right. so that everybody they know you know bought some fake temp tags yes. or oh, yes. didn't right. get the real uh you know registration done correctly or getting their car inspected correctly right um you know the the racism or the discrimination, or however you want to look at it, a lot of times comes into the discretion of it. Like, you know, I think about if I pull somebody over like that, mm-hmm. if I possibly could give you six, maybe I just give you three, right. and I talk to you about <laughs> right. the other ones. Right. And that's because maybe you look like me, maybe uh-huh. you. I see something in me. No, am I wrong for giving you six or ten? Right. No, but exactly. but then my job, I can I can tow your car at that exactly. point. If all those tickets, it's probably somebody to tow your car for. Yeah. But I don't. Um, so that's the, the, and those are things we deal with that in all aspects of life.
1: To answer your question though, today that, because that's, that's a great point. So now I would now that I'm older, of course, I would never drive a car like that. That's mm-hmm. totally should not be driven at that time. It's not ready to be put out on the street. But you know, at that time and at that age, you basically just gambling. Mm-hmm. You know, you basically. You, Everybody just got bought a car and then they just started driving it. They didn't make sure it was proper you well, you know, know, at that time. At least at that time, reason, yeah, from the neighborhood I was in,
0: my, my mother was, you know, uh and the thing about it, I had a mother in one city, father in another city. Right. So a lot of times, uh my mother kind of let me let me know that you wanted to be above reproach as far as them having any reason to really mess with That's you, right? right? You're probably going to get pulled over. You, everybody going to speed once in a while. If something's going to go on, but make sure you have your ID, right. you know, make sure you have certain things to where, like when I times when I got stopped, usually by the police, it was just walking down the street. Right. You know, I'll be with a group of friends and they just like stop a group of us. Or once in a while, I'm walking home from school late or something like that. And something happened in the area. I didn't even know, understand why back in the day, but I understand from being an officer now, something happened right around there and I, you know they going to stop somebody just coming from that area but i never you know most of the time those just stops on the street nothing really happened to me but i already knew by the time i was a teenager uh right from wrong a lot of times when it came from t- to driving and i was a person even if i got stopped speeding i knew it was my fault right. but i to this day i don't like the feeling of a police officer right. getting behind exactly. me. Yeah. so Okay. So you, you leave in St. Louis, uh, you get down to a small town where women went to school. Uh, you have any interactions with law enforcement down there?
1: So surprisingly I was there for four and a half years in Warrensburg, and I only, it was more of a community. I think it's called community style policing. Mm -hmm. So I never had, I only had one issue my senior year with the police officer. And, um, and I don't know what that guy's deal was. It was about 1.30 in the morning. That's the only time I had an issue with the police officer. But he pulled me over. It was like 1.30 in the morning. And no, it wasn't 1.30. It was like 10.45 at night. I remember right. right before finals. My my, It wasn't my senior year. I think it was my junior year. And um, I had a poll in my car from a class that I had. And he asked, he pulled me out of the car. I didn't have this, at this point in life, I knew about having right. registration, having insurance, all everything was correct. He pulled me over in Warrensburg and he asked, can he search my car? Me, I know now, Not mind you, I'm about three years into right. criminal, criminal justice. justice. Yeah, right. so, I, so I know that I don't have to do it. Mm. But I'm thinking like, I don't have anything in here, so go ahead, search it. He searches my car and he finds the pipe that I had from class that was probably about, probably about a foot long. Yeah. Um, and it was under, it was under my seat. He said he lo- he locked me up and said he he well he put the handcuffs on me and said he was going to lock me up because I had a, a concealed weapon in the car. Yeah, that's correct. Right. Yeah. And so- but that's the only you time I had a negative n- Nothing experience. happened with that though, right? Or what? I did not go to jail only because me and the guy that was with me, which was another fraternity brother, was was talking to him and pleading to him like, "Hey, I got finals tomorrow. Can you can you please cut me a break? Can I don't have any money to get bailed out that's and all of that?" So after and then another guy, another officer came and they kind of talked about it and they ended up letting me go. Like I didn't even know what and, that was about. And, I and of didn't know Of course, what
0: that was about. I mean you know I I hate always trying to answer for some other officer, but. You know i would say that's as far reach because first of all none of those reasons was why you got pulled over you know that's what he found after the fact you know i know uh uh i mean come on man you could have had you know but i i don't want to get to monday morning quarterback or something that obvious and of course you know we do we're dealing with some officers who don't really come in contact with a lot of stuff right whatever it may be or they may have their own uh stereotypical things they're trying to work through in their mind and whatever but i remember one time getting pulled over down there coming from rows of fun coming from working the overnight shift one time in the off season and you know they got to drive an hour or so back to school right. and i might have swerved because i was sleepy and you know they thought they had somebody drinking and driving i was like man i don't even drink but if you want to go that route we can but i'm probably sleepy i live down the street he didn't pull me out of the car nothing happened but he was just like go ahead and get home but it was just like what municipality was it it was right there on 13, right there oh, okay. right there in the middle oh, of campus okay. you that know was a large part of campus. yeah okay. uh and another time i got pulled over on the highway coming back going back towards the city to go to work i know i was speeding in but i i did what i can't i can't believe i did this but i dropped the name of uh one of my friends <laughs> that was a trooper yeah uh and it worked you know right, he was like right. i was like oh i thought you he's like oh you know yeah we started talking about it and it let me go right now I, I i can't believe that you know that worked but right. anybody out there if you know some hey if, hey ain't no shame in your game drop some names <laughs> if you need to don't
1: hurt the try. uh
0: so so right now as a, as a man as a father you see what's going on right yep. now yep. in modern day policing uh i know you said you never wanted to be a police officer so i'll start right there you knew you were interested in criminal justice, but tell me some of the reasons why you knew you didn't want to go into law enforcement.
1: One, <clears throat> I thought law enforcement was an extremely dangerous um, job. I mean, you were putting yourself in 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 a, in a line of danger, and then that was the that was the first component of it. But then the second component was, at growing up in that neighborhood, dealing with those police officers. Looking back on it now, I know they were doing their job because I wasn't in the right most of the time. Most of everybody around me wasn't in the right most of the time, so they were really doing their job. They just did it extremely aggressively, and some of the stuff they, you know, they broke the law. on, I know because they took, they would take some of our stuff, and we would never see it again. Mm-hmm. So, but all of my activity with them, all of my interactions with them, were extremely negative. You no. Know, some of it was my fault. So it's
0: antagonistic. I, whether, exactly. Yeah. W- you know, w- yeah. Whether they were wrong or not, you were on the other side, yes.
1: and you didn't like the way it felt. I didn't like the way it felt at all. Zero. So I knew I did not want to be a police officer, but I wanted to know how how it worked on the other side. So so I, honestly, really, my my initial goal was to go to law school oh, after yeah. after my four years, but I had two sons, and I couldn't do another three and a half. Know three years of uh, school, so I just chose to uh, graduate and, and go a different route in my profession. Me to start making money to help out my kids, my kids.
0: No, and and that's an admirable thing. You know, I was just kind of wondering. Uh, you know, I chose the. I was always interested in something like that, yeah, but like I wasn't really
1: sure. You were in The military. Yeah,
0: too, right? I was in the military right, too. Right. Even even while I was in school, I was right, still in. Right. And then you know, right after we we, you know, it's like we started our careers and thought we were done with all that. September 11th comes and I got deployed and all that. But my thing is why we kind of know. So the way I look at it a lot of times is um, one, the, the thing when I was a recruiter for a while, I used to tell folks, you know, we need, that's the kind of person we need to kind of be the positive influence in our community we want a face like you in uniform to be able to relate to people in that environment that's number one number two did you ever see any kind of responsibility to give back to the type of community that you grew up in to kind of make it better if you
1: if you will yes yes so so because once i once i i understood once i once i graduated and got you know became older and and understood life better i knew that i could I wanted to go back to my community, which was back in St. Louis, inner city St. Louis somewhat. And I wanted to help those kids who were in the same position that I was in at that time to try to give them, show them different role models to look up to, uh, uh, show up. Help them out to try to get through their situations that they were born into. You know, they you know they were dealt you know a hand, and they they it's nothing they can do about it, but they can play the cards that they were dealt. So what I did was that I started coaching little league football oh, okay. in the right. inner city at Matthews Dickey Boys and Girls Club, and I coached there for probably probably seventeen years. I, mean, I used to be a program director for them. Oh, so yeah,
0: really yeah, I, yeah, I started out. you know, I was a lifeguard for them. And I knew I kind of liked that whole thing of you know. Risking my life to make sure life is better for other people, but at the same time, just teaching kids how to swim was a big deal. Right, right. Just, just the teaching kids how to swim thing. So, uh, I didn't know we had that. And okay, so modern day policing right now, if as a citizen, you know, as a, what would you like to tell, you know, a member of the criminal justice field, you know, from a community standpoint, if we want to improve.
1: So. Um... You know, I don't think I will say anything different than what you know what some people have already heard. But it's basically, on un- police officers, it's hard when these um, ex-military guys uh, that come from rural areas come in and want to police. They have that 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 energy, and they want to you know come, you know get into the fire and 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 do adrenaline rush type stuff so they come into these inner cities and they want to police these you know these communities that they don't really understand for real so and then they are somewhat afraid of so because they want to go home i understand that concept you want to go home at night so when they when when those two combine, work together and they get they they run into these situations where they are they they want that rush and they want to be in those high level you know high high risk environments but so, and they don't understand who they're dealing with and, and what they're going through there. Um, it makes them react in a different way. Like I always say with Mike Brown, like I'm actually, I, I live probably four miles away from where Mike Brown was shot at. You know, my transportation company pick up people all the time in that in that uh, complex he was in. Mm-hmm. And, and and I've heard somebody else say it before, if that was a black police officer that would have stopped him that day, more than likely Mike Brown probably wouldn't have been killed that day but that guy Mike Brown was aggressive I mean, from what I know Mike Brown was aggressive that day but he wasn't you know he, he didn't know how to you know bring him down for real so he mm-hmm. reacted in a way that, that that got him killed because that I know in that complex there is a huge that that guy stopped Mike Brown that day because he was walking in the middle of the street we pick up people in that neighborhood my transportation company pick up people in that neighborhood that is a huge problem of people just walking in the middle of the street mm-hmm. so I don't yeah know I, I mean question. I know no I you know I'm no,
0: it's go not go even, even a question you know it's it's uh I'll give you a chance as a, as a member of this this planet, you know, as a member of, uh, of race, as a citizen in the city, however you wanna look at it, you deserve to have your uh, be heard on the subject. But um, I just, but I just comes- wanna just bring this this part to a close. This segment's gonna mm-hmm. come to a close. I hate that we, we ran so long on this subject, um, but after this, I'm gonna just have a little bit rebuttal or say yeah, what I can say uh, about that And a lot of it is in agreeance. I just want to kind of pull a few more things out of it, but I appreciate so far what you're doing, Brother Randall. I knew, um, made a good choice when I asked you to come on here. uh, And you said so many things, I would love to dissect a little bit more. But I'm gonna bring bring this first uh, part of it uh, to a close. This is G. Michael on For The Record, Black Police Officer Perspectives. Welcome back to For the Record, Black Police Office Perspectives. This is G. Michael, the host, and I'm talking to one of my fraternity brothers, Brother Randall. And we left off on that last segment um, just talking about what he thinks about modern day policing. And we, you know, of course, he's from St. Louis. And we got to a little bit talking about Mike Brown, the protests and all that is surrounded that. And he's even familiar with the actual neighborhood Mike Brown is from. And we were talking about, you know, if that officer had been a black officer, would it have gone differently? As a police officer, and actually when that happened, I not only was just, you know, on a, a police department, I was um, a recruiter for my police department, which, you know, we had to study real, you know, deeply on how it was gonna affect our numbers as far as people wanting to apply. But as a, as a black man, of course, um, growing up in some of the same type of environment Mike Brown Mike Brown grew up in, of course I can see all sides of it. And and that's why I think we need blacks in law enforcement. It's very important uh, because that's a perspective that cannot be taught. It's you don't really understand the sacrifice a lot of times that any law enforcement person has to make to stay in this career. But as a black person, especially coming from that type of environment, you have to silence a lot of the voices in your head and in your community about why you should not do it. But that, at least that initial communication may have been different. And I would like to add from both sides, a lot of times Mike Brown or a person like Mike Brown may have responded initially differently if he saw a black officer. I agree uh you know and i get it both ways you know i get you know now as a, as a supervisor i get called to the scene a lot of times after a problem has already come but sometimes i just show up because i already know it may be a, a need for me to be there but you know sometimes i i can bring uh, another perspective i can bring the piece to the situation or at least another explanation or make people feel like as a supervisor on the scene uh, they listen to my words a little better and they realize that I have the interests of the community at heart more, at least they believe that. And it's just like that in any business when you ask for a manager or a supervisor, you're thinking that you can get someone with a, with a, at least a little bit more authoritative decision making process. You want to go right to the source instead of asking an employee. Uh, but sometimes I make them happy and sometimes I don't, I don't. A lot of times just education wise, the normal public, I always say it's not realized what we're taught, what we, what the laws really are, what the training tells us, and what you tell yourself. It's a math problem. If you do this job for 10, 15, 20 years, what's the chances, if you take a chance on doing something that you shouldn't do safety-wise because you wanna make someone feel better, what's the chance that one day that, that little chance you take comes back to bite you? Right. And what I mean by the little tactical advantages police officers are taught to have lot of times it makes people feel uneasy but we know we do that because we have to do that probably 20 more times that day 100 times that week what's the chances one day if we don't do something we should do that that's going to come back and buy us and it has this bit me before um and you know that's kind of the the chances we take but at the same time uh that that was a we have many names you know we have many, many okay so since since ferguson what do you think about in, in St. Louis or in any other city you've been around or just nationwide, nationally, where do you think we're going with the community and police and the relationship? Well, I know, I mean,
1: I hate to say this, but uh, Mike Brown's death wasn't in vain because a, a whole lot changed in St. Louis. St. Louis was known, and, and this probably, in the, in the, I only know about St. Louis. In those municipalities, they literally gave those officers a ticket quota that they had to meet. Meaning that you, you, yeah, you, in would Ferguson, know what I mean. in yeah, Ferguson, Ferguson and yeah. and all the other ones. Ferguson was right. not the only one. So right, they right. generated their revenue in the, in those municipalities off of tickets. That was the worst thing about being around, you know, growing up in St. Mm-hmm. Louis and driving and because they were the officers had to go out there and generate revenue by by handing out tickets. Mike Brown changed it, right. so you know, um, the, a lot of laws got changed in the state of Missouri because of it. So, you know, I think in St. Louis, I can only speak, from you over know, St. Louis that it actually is going in the right direction and it's going to get better. You know, things gonna happen, but it's going to get better. But but my question, though, like, have you noticed since Mike Brown as an officer that um, it seems like, tell me if I'm wrong, but it's a question for you. It seems like people, meaning younger people, are starting to feel like they don't have to comply with police officers. Yeah, yeah, all, all the worse. way. Is it worse? To be it is worse. It like worse. It is worse. Like they I have don't, an option, right? And, <laughs> and actually...
0: The nation knows that because we see how crime is rising. We we see the little things, even stopping and stop signs, red lights. We everybody that drives can tell you more people run red lights and stop signs. And that used to be the basic thing that even a five-year-old knew that you were supposed to stop right. at a red light, stop at a stop sign. Those are just signs of what they feel about, not just police, but authority, period. And that makes a society kind of more dangerous, especially in a time as a police officer. We're not stupid. We know it's a better chance we keep our job if we just do less. You know, a lot of those stops that police officers make, you know, it, cause sometimes they were, I can't speak for every officer. Obviously, I know I'm in America, so I know it's a large percentage of any, position, any profession is racist. Obviously, I run a racist police. And some of those stops may come from a racist standpoint, but I will say a lot of those stops come from, you have a mission to make the community safer. So if there is no fear, if you speed, if you run a red light, I'm gonna get a ticket, how many people act good at a kind of state of your heart or act good because they want their community to be safer? Right. Unfortunately, right now, we're seeing the worst out of people when it comes to caring about their own community. Yes, that's terrible. I mean, right the, the sideshow things have picked up more, you know, people taking over intersections, doing donuts and doing all that kind of stuff. And I know I talked to some of these young folks that are doing it, and they say, you know, it's just, it's not really against police. It's just that's their kind of a way to protest or show that, look, we are, uh, we want to be heard. They're going to force people to look at them, to see them, because traffic is going to be
1: stopped. Doing side shows? Well,
0: you know, they don't want to go somewhere where, you know, because I suggested it once as a while, why don't y'all go over? I give them other areas to go. Mm But nobody can see them right. they want to be a problem for the traffic flow um, so then everyone it's the same reason i didn't realize little I it a time somebody did graffiti and wrote on a building mm-hmm. you're not gonna write somewhere right. where nobody can see it right. you're gonna tag something where it can be seen mm-hmm. so you can get the feeling of yeah y'all see my tag
1: so it's not just them wanting to drive their cars fast and do stunts in them they to actually Well think about a, this how many, parks, how many parks how many parks around
0: America how many empty parking lots yeah. do you think people could go to and would never stop traffic and most people wouldn't care but to do it in the middle of an intersection, yeah. it's something more than just wanting to drive their car How that you way. Think about that you know what I'm saying? So then we have to think about why is it that even at a t- in the communication age, where anybody can get on, a, on their phone in a matter of seconds be heard around the world, do we still have hundreds of people feeling like they're not heard? Right. Then I think it's also like some of them say, it's a silent protest. You're dumb and just like the same reason somebody pulled a fire alarm in school. It's kind of like, you know, F any authority. You know what I'm saying? So you have that. But it's also showing that look, we know your police, y'all can't even solve this. Right? So uh that's what it is so it's a direct core you know, like like I talk about Chicago and other major cities and how right now the, the shoplifting, anybody who does loss prevention, I know you yeah, have a I little background right, in that. It right here. Think about, I mean the, what really stopped lost, what really stopped before then was somebody had in their mind either a fear of what may happen or uh, a little care of their community. But when they know, nothing really is gonna happen. Most major corporations have a policy. You can't grab the person. You can't even chase the person. Now you have in Chicago, five or six Walmarts just closed. Talking about they're not making a profit. That's their easy way of saying, we can in this neighborhood. Not only are they they getting robbed blind, the threat of being sued when one of the security people does grab someone and get into That's a right. fight in the parking lot. Yeah, cost them a lot of money. Yeah. Yep. You know, so it's a yeah. I can say, I man, it's it's a sad thing. I mean, obviously, it's kind of like what's going on with me and policing right now is policing in America, and we you're trying to uh, change policing, trying to change the tires on a big rig going down the highway. You don't even pull it over, but you want to change all the tires. Because while someone is sitting back in their office trying to think of all the ways policing could be better, there's somebody getting robbed right now, somebody getting raped right now. And the police that are out there, they can't stop and go all of them together, going to training for a year or two years and then come back out like a business and close down, retrain their employees and come back. Policing, Right now, some calls are coming out, where police have to go. Right. Just like playing a sport, it's just policing is kind of the same way in this aspect. However you will learn, however you were taught in the beginning, some of your fundamentals, they're going to continuously come out. What I mean by that, if you play a sport, you don't think about hitting the baseball, shooting basketball. That's your fundamental muscle memory you already have in your mind in policing it's a thousand things you have to remember to be a good officer when somebody comes up with a new rule tomorrow it's going to be a while before you put that into your psyche that it's going to automatically come out not to say that racially or certain communities that people don't care about that's obvious but what i see more than race is different economic levels obviously i can say without a doubt we treat certain communities differently than we treat other communities but it's the same way. I mean, if you go to a community that's clean, it's a less chance you're gonna litter.
1: Exactly. All right. So, so to that point, I think from what you're saying is like, you know, I actually have sympathy for police officers because it's almost like a no-win situation. If you if you chose the police in a in the neighborhood that's known for violence, unfortunately, when you pull somebody over as a police officer, to correct me if I'm wrong, you almost have to assume there's a high chance of violence coming from that car, right?
0: I was taught in the academy and I've been doing this 23 years. I assume everyone is armed.
1: Exactly. I always have. Exactly. But if you're out in a in a in a upper middle class neighborhood, you're probably not gonna assume that, right? No,
0: I assume everyone is assume armed. It, even out there? No, me personally, right. any good officer. The thing is, when I assume you armed, doesn't mean I put you on the ground to talk to you i just assume i have to make sure i know what your hands doing the whole time i could be talking to you about the sun or the birds but i'm still in my mind keeping a a watch on your your hands or a bag you're carrying that's anyone right and that's just how so when they change these gun laws i remember one time a reporter asked me did it change how i operated no because i assume everybody had a gun anyway if you go if you start out like that you can't get let down
1: let me tell you a quick story from back from my childhood when i was 12 years old and i was out on the street doing you know doing things and I, at the time, and for years, I, did, I always despised this black police officer for doing it. But now that I'm older and I understand, and since you made that comment, I understand why he did it. But <clears throat> he can't. He he uh, pulled up in his car, and his two friends, out with me and two other guys, were standing out in the street about 10 o'clock at night. I had my. He, when, when he got out of his car, he um, he had his gun out. I, I don't know why a 12 gauge shotgun. He had it out to the side, which is probably inappropriate from Jump Street, but. I had my hands in my pocket. I was, but I was only 12 years old. Now I'm not tall, so I was probably about five foot five one. And I had my hands in my pocket, and he pulled a gun. He he took his 12 gauge and, sh- and laid it on my shoulder with the with the barrel mm. pointing at my face, and said, "Get your hands out of your pocket." I know that was overboard, but yeah, man, that's <laughs> it's a. But whole... he was thinking what you were thinking. I, so that it, right? <laughs> and what I mean,
0: because I, when I say that, I know before I say that, people kind of took it the wrong way. I'm saying, when I go to any neighborhood and part of my area has NFL players in it, part of my neighborhood has the lowest of the low in it, part of my area, I mean, right? And I can assume everyone there possibly can have a bad day and want to kill right, me. Right. I don't look at a certain economic right. level, level or a certain race to say, this person is more dangerous than another person right um but there are other but since i assume everyone has a gun it does not mean i do perfectly what's gonna make me 100 safe by telling you to get on the ground spread your hands up obviously then i got the tactical advantage 100 i don't do that so i know i'm making myself a little bit more unsafe letting you not be cuffed and i'm standing there talking to you so i give you that much as a citizen to say i'm gonna take this risk a little bit because I don't want to make somebody feel uncomfortable every time I talk to them. But let's just say, as an officer, I got called to an area because some other neighbors said they just heard some gunshots or they saw some people running around with some guns. They didn't give me your name or nothing, so I don't know exactly who it is, but I drive on your block and I see you standing outside with your hands in your pocket. So that one time I go, man, that that young brother, I'm not going to worry about him. I'm not going to say nothing. That's the one that has a gun. And you know, you may feel uncomfortable, but I have to go home that day. Mm-hmm. And what's the chance? What's the chance of if I'm taking that chance a thousand more times before I retire? Of I'm right every time that you're not the one that was want to catch me slipping.
1: Exactly. You know, so it's now, like I almost mean, yeah. playing Russian roulette when right. not putting you on the ground. I totally understand. That's why I think officers, it's all officers that just right now at this at this point it is a tough career man I, I like you if there's no win situation you got all these people that don't want to comply and you know I think they have an option to comply and then um uh you getting scrutinized for every every decision that you make when you have to always think about going home that day to your family mm-hmm. so like when i talk to my son i got a son that's 14 turning 15 and he he, he got his license to start driving so of course he would talk about the you know the you know the talk that you give your kids, uh, especially the black males, you know when they about to go out and start driving and dealing with police officers. My mine's is real short. It's honestly real short. It teach him how to talk to him about how to uh, 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 get his license out and the insurance card out, and then make sure he and tell the officer everything he's about to do, because the officer mm-hmm. is always thinking. Good idea. You know us is, is always thinking about you know the danger that might happen. So they, you all want to go home. So you're going to beat them to the trick before they are. So that's what they think. So I always tell say I got to reach over here to get my license. I got to go into here to get, get something. However, the last thing, and this the only thing, that's what mine is real quick. The only thing I tell them is to comply. If they, I don't care what it is they tell you to do. I don't care what you think and comply and we'll figure the rest out in court. Yeah.
0: Right, or tell everybody you can make a complaint. Yeah. Most, most cities have, you know, a, way to make it a complaint online, or you can at least go to any police station uh, to make a complaint. You know, we can go on forever about this. Thanks for giving me a lot of good stuff to try to break down, and I can carry some of this to other uh, episodes uh, we're gonna have to bring this episode to a close brother Randall I really appreciate your time I know you're very busy uh, brother, it's, anytime, man anytime. this is this is a great conversation there's obviously more things I want to say and I know some listeners out there had a few eyebrows raised some few things we you know y'all didn't like or y'all right, did like exactly, if nothing sure. else I know y'all got some knowledge about what two black men are thinking about and just uh if I want to give you the last word well, what what did you say
1: I would just say like to that to that last point I made about teaching my son, if you look at most of these videos where these officers have having an issue with these black people, it's because that person did not comply to their orders, in my opinion. Right. So that's why I stick on that about teaching my son to just simply comply, whether you right or wrong or think you right or wrong, comply we we'll figure the rest out in court.
0: Yeah. Figure it out in court. Figure it out when you make a complaint. Exactly. At least call the supervisor. There's other ways you can report, do it. You can record it. And you know, you know, some people are getting raised to not follow any yes, rules, exactly. it, it could be any yeah, exactly. rule. You can tell somebody, don't go in that burning building, why I can't exactly. go in that burning building? That's my house. Exactly. Do you see the building on fire? Some people just don't want to follow any rules. It's a crazy time we're living in. I would say, first of all, be safe. And thank you. If you listen to this, that means you care a little bit more than the average person about understanding what's going on out there for black police officers. Again, this is G. Michael, the host. Listen to For the Record Black Police Officer Perspectives. Be safe.